I'm Monty Church and welcome to my camp. Really today I'm not setting up my camp because this is very sacred ground. This is one of the most significant spots in Native American history. This is where the famous Battle of the Little Bighorn took place and the story of Custer's Last Stand. <laughs> This is the actual site of the Great Battle of the Little Bighorn and the famous story of Custer's Last Stand. It was here in 1876 on a hot June day that our forefathers laid down their lives to preserve their ancestral heritage and their native way of life. Also here, in this valley of the Little Bighorn River, more than 260 U.S. soldiers, led by the proud and even arrogant Lieutenant Colonel Custer, met defeat and death at the hands of almost 2,000 Lakota and Cheyenne warriors. What happened before this great battle that brought about this tremendous clash in cultures? Well, there's more than one version to this story. But historical facts, all point to many abusive happenings taking place toward our people. It all started before the Civil War, when thousands of European settlers began to vigorously move westward. While doing this, they showed little regard for Indian settlements and hunting grounds. For example, thousands of buffalo were slaughtered just to cut off their tongues for meat, while the rest of the carcasses were allowed to rot on the open plain. 
They were about to lose everything, their families, their heritage, their dignity, and what they believed in and stood for. When our native people began to protest this hostile invasion, which showed no understanding of the Indian way of life, the U.S. government in 1868 set aside large areas of Wyoming as reservation land to confine native people in an area that they could call their own. Part of the land that was set aside for reservation included the beautiful Black Hills, which is located in eastern Wyoming. Where just a few years later, gold was discovered and gold fever was unleashed on our people. Thousands of eager gold miners swarmed the Indian lands in open violation of the treaties which had given back this region to our people. As confrontation and hostilities multiplied, the government tried to buy back reservation land to settle gold claims. But the Indian people refused to sell what was theirs for centuries. Skirmishes continued on and off the reservation over the frustration of these injustices. It was then that in 1875, laws were passed by the U.S. government that all Indian people found off reservation land were to be treated as hostiles and to be dealt with by military force. During this sad time, a large majority of our Indian people quietly left the reservation. And a great majority independently gathered farther west, here in the valley of the Little Bighorn. Approximately 7,000 encamped under the leadership of Chief Sitting Bull and Crazy Horse and other chiefs who refused to be restricted to lands that were given back to them by the government in the form of reservations and then taken away again. This travesty made them choose to want to go back to their original nomadic way of life. In June of 1876, this large encampment of Native Americans, including women, children, and older people, were spotted by the U.S. Cavalry under the direction of Lieutenant Colonel George Armstrong Custer. It was then the decision was made by those men to annihilate them all. The Battle of the Little Bighorn was really a genocide attempt. Unbeknownst to them, this great native gathering was about to lose everything that was dear and important to them as a nation. Exactly why am I telling you this story? It's because it has an incredible parallel for each one of our lives today. It's a tremendous lesson concerning our spiritual warfare. You see, our ancestors here in this place realized they were facing the end. At the beginning of the confrontation, they helplessly witnessed the cavalry soldiers shooting at will into their encampment, killing men, women, and children. So, they had absolutely nothing to lose in fighting back against what seemed to be impossible odds, against a professionally trained army 
bearing what was then considered weapons of mass destruction. However, history now bears witness that the aggressors in this one instance met their end in the Battle of the Little Bighorn. Much like the battles that were fought right here in attempts to destroy our people, right here where I'm standing, Satan is working hard to destroy our spiritual heritage. Now, look at the gravestones marking where men fell and died in an attempt for conquest. Is it possible that we also today may be fighting on the wrong side, seeking to find success, pleasure, gain, and worldly fame? Just what is this heritage that the Great Spirit wishes to give you and me? Let me boil it down into a nutshell. God has a definite plan for your life and mine. It's a plan that brings true peace, deliverance from bondage, and offers eternal happiness. Our Creator's plan for us doesn't just provide help for a day or two, but forever. But the key is that God can only give these things to us as long as we stay close to Him, week by week, day by day, and moment by moment. He says, draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He will lift you up. Submit to God, resist the devil, and He will flee from you. What exactly does God want us to do in order to maintain this one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him? Prayer. That is, talking directly to our Creator as to a friend. Study. In other words, holding on to the principles found in the Book of Heaven. Remembering the special time of rest that God has set aside for us to meet with Him. Yes, we still are on a battlefield as we get ready to meet our friend, the Chief of Chiefs and Lord of Lords. Jesus is coming soon, but our enemy, Satan, is going down in defeat and he wants to take as many with him as he can. Please don't let him. Stay close to God's camp. He's already defeated the enemy. And by God's grace, he'll defeat Satan in your life too. Let's review one by one these very important points. God has given us the gift and the privilege of prayer. There is nothing more wonderful than being able to talk to our Creator God one-to-one -one as a friend. As our Creator, He can fulfill our every need. He is the source of all the beautiful things in nature. The buffalo, the antelope, the rain, the sun, the moon, all the universe. Yet, the smallest things in life also carry his signature. He is also the source of true wisdom and has the answer to our every question. The Book of Heaven says, In prayer, let all your requests be known to God, who is willing to give us more than what we can ask or think. As sinners, our just reward is death. But Jesus, the Son of God, was willing to lay down his life for you and me. 
and become our substitute, shedding his divine blood as an eternal treaty of peace. Only he can forgive us of our sins. How is it with you, friend? Would you like to start life anew, have your sins forgiven, and be a part of God's camp? The Book of Heaven says, Who can forgive sins but God alone? It is so important that you don't let the enemy take your inheritance from you, the eternal land with no fences. God has promised it to you in heaven. Take it. It's God's gift to you. Through the ages, our enemy Satan used religious leaders in an attempt to alter the principles of life, teaching that we must pray through priests in order to be heard by God, or that we must confess our sins to man in order to receive forgiveness of our sins. But friend, remember, only God can forgive us and cleanse us from sin and change our bad habits. The biggest reason why understanding all this is so important is that God's greatest desire is to have a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you. He wants nothing and no one to come between you and Him. He can best help us when we walk on the trail of life with Him and when we talk with Him directly as we would with a friend. The second gift God has given us as a spiritual heritage is the gift of knowing His plan for our lives directly from the Book of Heaven. In the heart of every native brother and sister is a desire to know freedom. But there's only one way in which we can know true freedom. The Book of Heaven tells us that knowing the truth of its pages is the only way we can be free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. It also says that in this dark world with all of its problems, that the book of heaven is the word of God, and that this word is the only true lamp unto our feet, and a light unto our path. It's amazing to me as I travel around our nation to see how groups get themselves into problems and into confusion when they don't take the book of heaven, the Bible, and the Bible only is their only rule of faith. God tells us that if we want to be wise, we will observe these principles of the book of heaven. And as a result, we will come to understand the loving kindness of the Lord. As we pray and as we study, we can't help but come into a close one-to-one -one relationship with Jesus. And I want that. Don't you? One of the most wonderful things our Creator has given to us to maintain a strong relationship with Him is a special divine date we have with Him every Sabbath day. True, we can meet with God anytime. But the Sabbath day is His special day that He made to meet just with you and me. Because it's so vitally important to God, that a one-on-one -on -one relationship with Him is to be kept strong, He doesn't wish any part of His maintaining it to be changed or altered. He says, till the end of the world, not one jot or tittle of His laws must ever be changed or destroyed. But in the writings of the prophet Daniel, God predicted that our enemy, Satan, through the hand of religious leaders, 
would someday attempt to change God's times and laws. One of the most important of these times is God's seventh-day Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, says the Book of Heaven. In our study, number five of this series, entitled Remember, we explained in detail this important date with God. Our Creator God sees the Sabbath day is so important that He's designed that we're going to be keeping it holy throughout all eternity. And it shall come to pass that from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another shall all flesh come to worship before me, says the Lord. God commands us all to remember this special time each week to worship Him. He knew we all have a tendency to forget. Like a husband and wife, we need to keep the relationship strong. They set times apart to be with each other. So we need to keep God's date to be with Him so we can remember who He is and who we are. Much like in the days of Custer, when treaties were broken in an attempt to take what was ours, Satan has attempted to break our relationship with God by interrupting the special time God set aside to strengthen our understanding of Him. Satan has worked hard through the ages to destroy the meaning of the Sabbath. We find in history he tried to change the seventh day of rest to a different day of the week, just as the prophet Daniel predicted it would happen. The first edict to this effect was made by Emperor Constantine, who ruled the then known world. He said, On the venerable day of the sun, let all the magistrates and people residing in the cities rest, and let all the workshops be closed. You see, there were many people in other countries, such as Northern Africa, who worshipped the sun instead of the creator of the sun. By changing the day of worship from the seventh day to the first day of the week, it was Constantine's hope that it would influence many more people to worship Christ. But in doing so, he broke God's commandments. We read from a Catholic encyclopedia, the sun is a foremost god with heathenism. There is, in truth, something royal and kingly about the sun, making it a fit emblem of Jesus, the son of justice. Then Sunday was given the name, the Lord's Day. But the Lord's Day they shall especially honor as being Christians. They shall, if possible, do no work on that day. You may say, you mean to tell me that historical religious leaders changed the Sabbath from Saturday to Sunday instead of Jesus? That's right. In case you have questions on the subject, all you need to do is pick up a copy of the Convert's Catechism of Catholic Doctrine and read from page 50 through 52. It's all there. God hasn't changed His word or His date to meet with you and me. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Speaking on the Ten Commandments regarding the Sabbath, the Book of Heaven says, For the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. No man has the right or the authority to change one of God's commandments.
our salvation and the opening of our hearts to where the Creator can come in and deliver us from temptation all depends on our acceptance and the use of these gifts that God has so freely given us. Prayer, studying His Word, and our holy date with Him on the Sabbath day. May God see you in your last stand, resisting evil and upholding His spiritual heritage, that you will be everything God intended you to be, mainly His friend. Now I'd like to have you meet Kitty Miracle. Kitty's been like a big sister to a lot of us. She's been a real warrior through the years in maintaining Native heritage. I've asked Kitty to share with us some of the discoveries that she has made in her spiritual life. Sago, Sago. I'm Kitty Miracle and I'm a Mohawk Indian from the Six Nations Reserve in Canada. A long time ago, it was a long time ago, there was so much discrimination, so much hate towards my people, that we began to feel less than people. All of the bad things had been done to us by people, people who said they were Christians. It could sure make a person angry, defiant, rebellious. And I lived that life in demonstrations, being defiant, fighting the government, trying to make it change its legislation. I even wound up on Alcatraz. What we were trying to do was set a precedent with the, with the government. They had made these promises about giving us the land back when they were finished with it, when they no longer needed it for their purposes. And so when the government closed the federal prison on Alcatraz, a group of young people, uh, young Indians, said, we could take Alcatraz. We can do it. And I thought they were just joking. Two weeks later, when I was back in New York, and I turned the television on, the radio and the newspaper, here was this group, the same group of young people had gotten a boat and they had gone and occupied Alcatraz. People supported us. I became the chief cook and feeding the people as they came out and uh, lived on the island and demonstrated. And in the meantime, the government then had taken the army out of Fort Lawton. So at night, a lot of the people who were living on Alcatraz got in their cars and in boats and they went out to, uh, to Fort Lawton, one of our board members from Omaha and I, we uh, <clears throat> absconded uh, with 22 very large bags of glass beads. And it just dawned on us that, hey, what a great idea. They gave us $24 worth of glass beads from Manhattan. Why don't we give them these glass beads for Alcatraz. And then we created or called a press conference in San Francisco on the wharf, and we had all of the media. And so it was a great surprise to the government officials when they came to talk to this group of Indians and to be offered $24 worth of glass beads. It was just great. The media picked up on it and all the rest of it. But needless to say, 
the discussion still went on. They weren't willing to abide by what they had promised. We were successful because the government gave us back a portion of Fort Lawton. We didn't get Alcatraz, but we got a portion of Fort, Fort Lawton. But when I think about change, and the changes that I've been able to, or been involved in and in bringing about with government's treatment to my people, I can think of no other change that was so great in my life than the change that happened to me. I was thinking about what a wonderful world this would be if everybody in it lived according to those commandments that God had given them. For the first time in my life, I wondered what being a Christian was like. Learned to study and came to know Jesus Christ. And he has made the most wonderful change in my life. I no longer feel anger. I no longer feel all of those terrible, ugly feelings. I have peace in my heart. And you know what? He's the only one that has ever kept his promises. He will keep his very last promise to us, that he will come and take us home, where we will always have peace and happiness. What a glorious day that will be when I see him coming to take me home. And I hope you'll all be with me on that journey home. Nyawa. When it comes to opening ourselves the way God has asked, through prayer and study and keeping holy the Sabbath day, it becomes very important. When we align ourselves with God by standing true to these principles, God says He will honor us. Do you want the Great Spirit to know that you belong to Him? Then stand true to the principles of the great spiritual heritage that he's given you, of prayer, of study, and meeting on a one-to-one -one basis with him each Sabbath day. No matter who you are or what you've done, God loves you, and he wants more than anything to prepare you for his second coming and to be with him for eternity. There, we will know true happiness beyond our imagination. There. We'll be able to show our gratitude and worship to Him and be close to Him like you would be with a friend now. He longs for this closeness with you. Let's do all we can to protect the spiritual heritage that God has given us. If we do, He will bless us beyond our fondest dreams. In closing, I would like to invite you to pray, to study, and join God's camp every Sabbath day in close fellowship with him. It's God's gift to you. Until next time, let only the good spirit guide you.